Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. When we talk about Bible subjects, one subject that we might be familiar with is that of repentance. That repentance is something that is necessary, is left without doubt, for the Lord himself speaks about the concept of repentance. At the end of Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 24, and in verses 46 and 47, the Lord said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So the fact that repentance is not being preached today is both shameful and a disregard for God's will. Now I suspect that one reason people are not told to repent is that those who are preaching want to make them feel good about themselves. They want them to be in a situation where the speaker wants individuals in the audience to feel comfortable so that they will respond to whatever it is they're saying. But our purpose is not necessarily to make people feel comfortable nor uncomfortable. Our purpose is to preach the gospel as it is presented. And the Lord said that we need to preach the need for people to repent. It is thus clear that the Lord commanded it be preached as part of the good news. When we go back and we look at that passage in Luke 24, it speaks about the full concept of the gospel in dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. So Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and resurrected on the third day. And thus the disciples of Jesus, who we know of as the apostles, the ones who were sent out, were then told to preach that message of repentance and remission of sins. And that's exactly what they began to do on the day of Pentecost. So when we're talking about repentance then, what exactly do we mean? Well, let's look at some examples found in God's Word. First, let's go back to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was sent to the people of God to get them to repent. They had turned away from God and they had turned to idols. And so God, during the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, allowed the people to be taken into Babylonian captivity. Ezekiel went with the first group into captivity. Jeremiah later was taken with those who fled Jerusalem but did not go into Babylonian captivity. So God had provided two prophets to the people to teach them about the importance of repentance. And so in Ezekiel 18, verse 30, God said, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, Every one according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. 
The word repent here then lets us know that God is telling us we have to turn away from something, to turn away from sin. Turn yourselves from all your transgressions. But it doesn't simply mean to turn and go in a different direction. It means to turn, to return unto God. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8 and in verse 22, we have the account that is found here in dealing with one who recently had become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a man named Simon, and then he sinned. And so Peter told him what, it, what he needed to do when he sinned. Acts 8, verse 22, Peter said, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. So to change his mind, to change what he was doing, so that he could conform himself to God's will. So both of these illustrations have a similar concept involved in dealing with repentance. To stop doing what you're doing and to change the way you're living so that you can come back into a closer relationship with God. Now, what then do we see that needs to be involved in repentance? And the first thing I'm going to suggest is that there has to be a conviction. There has to be a conviction that God is right and that I'm wrong. And so on the day of Pentecost, those individuals that heard the preaching of Peter, the evidence of the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who is the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and to David, those on the day of Pentecost that heard that preaching it says in verse 37 of Acts 2, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were convicted that they were wrong and that they needed to change their ways and they wanted to know what are we to do. So repentance involves conviction. But a second thing is that repentance involves contrition. Uh, there has to be a concept of being sorry for what I've done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Paul, in his first epistle to the Corinthians, identified a man who was in sin and told the disciples in Corinth that if this man refused to repent, they needed to withdraw from him. They needed to separate him out from them so that they would not be defiled by his sins. By the time he wrote his second epistle, that man had repented, and now he wanted to be with the disciples. And so in part of his second epistle to the Corinthians, Paul tells them, welcome this man back and help him. And so he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So both that man and some among the disciples in Corinth who might have mistreated him were now 
sorry in a godly way. They were truly sorry. They were contrite. They wanted to repair the damage that had been done. A third thing that we can consider in thinking about repentance is to recognize that we have to confess. In Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1, David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies brought out my transgressions. Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me of my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee alone have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. What did David mean? Well, David had sinned. And so now David not only recognized that he was wrong in sitting, but he confessed his sin. And so we find that concept both in the old and in the new, to confess the idea of our sins. We don't keep our sins secret. It means that we acknowledge them before God. So whether we say it publicly or whether we say it to God, we confess that we have sinned. But a fourth thing we think about with regard to repentance is renunciation. We recognize that our sin was wrong, and so now we make an effort to say, I'm not going to do that again. In Isaiah 55 and in verse 7, the inspired prophet, in being sent to the people of Israel, said, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah was sent to the people to tell them exactly what that meant, the idea of repentance, to forsake, to renounce what they had been doing. So we note that I have to be convicted that I'm wrong. I have to be truly sorry, not that simply that I got caught, but that I did something wrong that violated God's will. I have to be willing to admit that I've done that, and then I have to turn completely away from it. And then the final thought in, in thinking about the concept of repentance is the idea of restitution, to make things right. And so when Jesus went to visit with the man Zacchaeus, as found in Luke's gospel, in Luke 19, Zacchaeus said in verse 8, he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. The idea then of restitution is to return things and make them right. So, in thinking about the child of God, when I recognize that I have sinned, I'm convicted that I have sinned, I'm truly sorry for it. I'm not sorry simply because I got caught, but I'm sorry because I have violated God's will and I understand the jeopardy that it puts my soul in. I admit my sin. I confess my sin. And then I renounce it by turning away from it. But then the final point and, and the most important point is I restore. 
restitution. I want to be returned unto the place that I was before. Sin separates me from God. I leave his kind care, I leave his light, and I go into the darkness, and that's where I practice sin. Well, if I want true restoration, I must leave that. So the people during the time of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they didn't need to simply just pray to God to forgive them of their sins. They had to forsake their ways, leave those things they were doing, and don't do them anymore. The same for us. That is the attitude that we need to have. And then once that happens, God's part then takes place, and God's part is to make us new again. In his second epistle, again, to the Corinthians, Paul was inspired to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So God restores us and God reforms us. He brings us back into his light where we become his children once again. The old man of sin is removed, and the new man who follows after Jesus Christ now finds himself in God's household. When Paul was inspired to write to the Romans, he reminded them of this particular process in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't join to the world. Leave the world. Be transformed. Trans means going and form into another form. We're transformed into children of God when we agree to do God's will. And we begin actively to change our mind and change our hearts in order to do God's will. Now, in thinking about this concept then of repentance, do we find all of that in dealing with the message of the gospel and what people in the first century were taught that is still what we need to be taught today? And the answer is yes. The gospel plan of salvation includes all these things. First and foremost, it involves the idea of hearing the gospel and being convicted that it is the truth. When Philip was sent to help the Ethiopian eunuch as found in Acts chapter 8, he preached the gospel to him. And we read in verse 36 that the eunuch wanted to be baptized. Well, Philip wanted to know, was he convicted of what he had just heard? And he said in verse 37, Philip said to him, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he was convicted of that. Is contrition involved? Yes, it is. As we've read in Acts chapter 2, where Peter said, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. So the idea of turning away is found. What about confession? 
Well, here again in Acts chapter 8 and dealing with the eunuch, Philip asked him a question. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, he made his confession. Yes, I believe, he said, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What about the idea of renouncing your sins? Well, when one becomes a child of God and begins to live that life that is found in Jesus Christ, holding fast to the gospel, we present in our life then the example of turning away from sin, renouncing sin, being brought back into God's service. In Acts chapter 2 and in verse 47, we're told that those who were saved on the day of Pentecost have this wonderful blessing. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord brings us back into his household. And then dealing with reformation, we change ourselves. We change ourselves in conforming to the image of Jesus Christ such that others can see that in us. And like those in Acts chapter 11, the disciples in Antioch, it was said of them that these disciples were called Christians first. People could see that they were following after Jesus Christ. God has provided the means for us to be fully restored to his family. Repentance, therefore, is necessary. I must admit that my sins are wrong. I must turn from those sins. I must believe that Jesus is the Christ, confess him as Christ, and then be baptized for the remission of my sins. And when I do that, I will be involved in the process of reformation and brought back into the household of God. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you very much for listening to On Eagle's Wings.